the best way I've, I've heard to combat that um, is, is it, a, a friend of mine describes his leadership this way. He says, my job is just to point to the horizon and tell everybody where we're going. So like if you're, you know, leading, please have a clear and compelling vision of where you're going, right? Like, oh my goodness, please be really good at pointing to the horizon and telling everybody exactly where you're heading. Like, um, you know, we're not trying to build consensus. We're trying to build a kingdom. So. Well, welcome to this episode of the podcast. Today, I'm super excited to share this conversation with my friend, Jason Patterson, who just wrote a new book called From Your Biggest Fan. Fantastic book. I've been reading it the last few weeks. But uh, before we jump into that conversation, I want to invite you to join our Circle Network. If you haven't joined yet, I want to encourage you to take a look at it. It's for emerging leaders. We've got tons of videos, content, here to serve you, community of leaders that are going to be talking, encouraging each other, believing each other. Join in. Take a look at renewleadership.org slash network. We've got hundreds of hours of video content, resources for you. Take a look. All right. Well, let's dive into this conversation. Jason, thanks for joining us. You are the author of the book, From Your Biggest Fan. You've been a church planner, traveling speaker, now author, all kinds of stuff, man. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. It's really good to be uh, with you and, and just to spend some time together and, and uh, have a conversation that we can share with some friends. Yeah, man. So I got to talk about the book here. Um, it is a great read. I am uh, dyslexic and uh, drawn to a TV often. And so for me, reading is always a little bit slow, but I got to say your book, man, it is, it is attention grabbing. It's hard to put oh, down. Thank you. Full of stories, personal stories, um, documentary style stories. I mean, just yeah. all kinds of things. And so it, it's really one of those books that's like hard to put down because you're just, oh, you're so you. gravitated towards reading it. So I just want to say it's a great book. You guys take a look at it, check it out. Um, again, it's called From Your Biggest Fan, Discovering the Potential of Those That We Love and That We Lead. So Jason, jump in, man. Um, right up front, though, before we get going about yeah. the book, I just got to know, man, the book is called From Your Biggest Fan. Right. So I just need to know, I'm sure as a kid, you had you were a fan of some WWE wrestler or cartoon <laughs> or celebrity, something like that, man. So who who is it, man? Who was that uh, person for you? Yeah, you kind of nailed it right out of the gate. Except I'm old enough that it was the WWF. Back That's right. Then. That's right. Yeah, right. And so it, Hulk Hogan um, was was my favorite wrestler growing up. And uh, yeah, I had the action figures and like the whole bit. Um, and then probably like a cartoon. I loved the X Men and Wolverine uh, was clearly my favorite because why would anyone choose cyclops so that's right you know that's right that's right i love it okay now i gotta know man were you like full-on hulkamaniac like ripping the shirt open the whole deal man 
I don't, I don't know if I ever had the shirt or ripped one, but I mean, we definitely, you know, like me and my, my neighbor buddy, Jacob, uh, you know, wrestled all the time and we would fight over who got to be Hulk Hogan. And, uh, you know, I typically won, but, um, it was, yeah, that was like my childhood, man. So, uh, so funny (laughs) now to look back on it, but yeah, that was a huge part of my life. I just always remember, uh, my, my brother and I wrestling and it was always like the whale splash. I don't even know who did the whale splash, but somebody did the whale splash and I I would always yes. just jump off and that was my go-to move man so Love all right it. so we're talking about heroes you, you told us uh, a little bit of yours growing up so but another one that you talk a lot about in the book is your grandfather and um would love for you just to tell us a little bit about that you know the 100 uh hudley street uh show and you just unpack a lot about that so talk to us just a little bit about about him and, and what that show was and how it impacted you yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, my wife's grandpa uh, was David Maines. He, um, you know, he's from like a genera- generation kind of gone by. Uh, he passed away in 2017, but he pioneered Christian television in Canada. Um, he was kind of like for us, you know, uh, here in the States, um, the, the easiest comparison is like he'd kind of be like the Billy Graham of Canada. He was a household name, ministry leader, um, just, you know, built a huge, huge ministry. And, um, you know, he was not anything that you would expect maybe from a TV preacher, uh, from the stereotype, I should say, you know, of a TV preacher and getting to know him. He was the just an incredible um, godly man of just um, humility and um, his his leadership became uh, just a huge inspiration um, for me. There were, you know, I'd been in ministry, like you mentioned, I've been traveling for a number of years um, before we planted the church um, for 14 years. And uh, I'd done, you know, quite a bit of ministry and worked with a lot of different ministry leaders and been in a lot of different settings. And the leadership that I saw from him was just, it was a little bit different. Not that I'd never met anybody else like him, but it was something that you don't often see and grandpa's leadership was, uh, he had this huge platform from this ministry that he had built with television and, you know, all, all of this kind of stuff. And he just had this way of pulling all these people kind of up onto that platform with him. You know, he had vision and dreams for that ministry, but he used that platform to then launch all of those people out into the dreams that God had for them. And that was just to be honest, a little bit different. Um, that, that, that to find a leader who had, um, the security in who he was to be that free, um, to just make his life about championing other people. I mean, when people would get a dream from God for their life and need to leave his ministry to go do something else, he was literally their biggest fan. He, he championed them and their dreams. Uh, and that was just, again, like it was just, a unique experience. Probably the the moment um, that was the maybe the most significant was um, the ten thousandth episode of his television show, One Hundred Huntley Street. You mentioned the show, and um, that celebration. I was there in the the live audience for that celebration, and th- they had all these co hosts who used to be on the program with him. You know, over the years, and every one of them had the same story. They all had worked with him, worked for him, and then. <laughs> He had been the one who helped them launch out into literally something else. So the whole show was like the 10,000th episode of Huntley Street, but it actually like kind of in an 
uh, unique way was a celebration of how grandpa sent all of these people out, launched all of these people out. And, and again, that, that, um, leadership style from him was really unique. So the book, um, you know, I didn't write that book because I'm the person or leader that I want to be. Um, I wrote it because I felt like I started to get clarity on the person and leader that I wanted to be. And I just, I saw a lot of Jesus in grandpa's leadership. And we all have these. I mean, you, you know, you, you know, started talking about uh, heroes, which we have the funny childhood versions, you know, of that, right. But then the people who really are the spiritual heroes, you know, in our lives, they, they're important because they help us. Um, like we're trying to be a little bit more like them as we become hopefully a whole lot more like Jesus. And they're just, we all have those people. And, and yeah, grandpa was, was one of them. And so he is, it, it, you know, it's not a biography. The book's not a biography about him, but yeah, he is woven through um, because of his his leadership and how it inspired me. So in the book, you, you pose this question, um, how can we give our lives in service of others and then, and their God-given potential? And you answer mm-hmm. it by saying this, it requires a new mindset cultivated by asking the right questions. So mm-hmm. I guess my question is, what is that mindset? What are some of those questions that you're reframing? Uh, what should we be asking to kind of make sure that we are, you know, being a champion of someone else? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. (laughs) Um, the mindset, um, you know, scripturally really the, the, the scriptural foundation for the book is really like one sentence of one verse. It's Ephesians 2.10. It's my life verse. And it starts off by saying, for we are God's masterpiece. And so for me, you just take just that you know snippet. The rest of the verse is really powerful and important, but the book just focuses on that. If we are God's masterpiece, we, we are, every person is, that means there is unseen God-given potential in every person. There are wonders woven into each one of us, and we are not good at seeing them. We're not good at seeing that in ourselves. We are actually better, typically, at seeing it in one another. So yeah, the book is talking about cultivating the influence that you have just in people's lives, in whatever area, like if you're a ministry leader, certainly that, but just as a parent, as a friend, you could be a coach or a teacher or uh, you know, like a business owner, you could it could be any, anybody, any anywhere, just wherever you have influence, using that to help people discover it. But in order, yeah, to be that person, you have to adopt a mindset that's based off that scripture. You have to you have to adopt that belief that there genuinely is unseen God given potential in every person, and then sort of like again in tandem with that, you have to adopt that you are someone who can do something about that you can help people. And so, but creating that mindset, so you can certainly start with the scripture, right? That's, that's the foundation, but then kind of cultivating that truth to become a part of genuinely how you think you, you got to learn, I, I think, to ask the right questions. The example I used in the, the book, um, was from comedian uh, Michael Jr., uh, who, when he would do shows, he used to ask the question, how can I get laughs? And that was a self-centered question. It was actually his show. By asking that question, he made his show about him. How can I get laughs from the audience? And he changed it. He had this incredible moment of clarity, a God-given moment of clarity, that he should change the question that he asks from what can I get 
to how can I give an opportunity to the audience to laugh? And that shift changed how he did his shows. So asking questions like that, asking what can I give to others rather than what can I get? Asking how can I develop like ministry leaders, you know, like this is, it, we all want to leave a legacy. Everybody does. But ministry leaders were maybe a little more uh, tuned into that desire um, at times, a little more amped up about it. And the way to do it isn't by asking, how can I leave a legacy? The way to do it is by asking, how can I help everyone else leave one? Um, it, it's just, it's that shift where it's not about me. It's actually about you. I mean, again, we could we could spend a whole time preaching sermons off, you know, scripture passages we're all familiar with here, but you know, Jesus didn't ask, how can I be served? He asked, how can I serve? Like that, the famous verse, obviously, you know, Mark 10 45, like that, that learning to ask those questions shapes that mindset. And if, if we can learn to ask better questions, we can have a better mindset, which means we can better serve um, the, those we love and lead, uh, that are in our family our you know, in our friendship circles or w- within our team or organization. Okay. So when I called you, uh, text you to congratulate you about the book, cause such a great, I mean, just a huge moment in everyone's Thank life. You. If you ever tried to write, write a book, you know, that it's a, a daunting task. Uh. So a big thing, you know, what you started talking about in that moment was, one of the things that drew you to wanting to even write the book was, like you said, kind of speaking to yourself almost about this becoming this place of being in security and that so many leaders lead from insecurity. And, um, you know, you, 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 you kind of mentioned it about the, the 10,000th episode and your grandfather, you know, was championing everybody. But uh, you wrote this this uh, line in the book, and I felt like you were writing it to me. But actually, I think you were probably writing at me because uh, it reads: "It says insecure insecurity causes us to be confined to celebrating ourselves and touting our own achievements." Yeah. And I was just like, "Oh, like when you when I read that, I was just like, oh man, you take a, take a step back." So, um, talk about that story. Um, you know, you kind of talk about uh, going to Ireland and how that trip, you know, changed your you changed your perspective a little bit. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, uh, this is such a big one. Um, and kind of the way the book is shaped is um, it's three parts. The first part is that new mindset. We were just literally talking about it. And like what we're moving into now is like, it's like, okay, if you adopt that mindset, I want to be that way. I want to help everybody else discover um, who God made them to be, which just like, incidentally, I think that's the best way to discover your own potential is to trust in the biblical principle of sowing and reaping. If you make your life about everybody else and helping them discover who they are, God will show you who you are. So if if we could get that straight, we all know that like this is not new material, right? Like we know the biblical principle of sowing and reaping, but if we could get that, we can discover more of who God made us to be, but just turn it all around and just make your life about everybody else and Jesus will take care of you. But if you adopt that mindset, there's just so many things that are going to get in the way, right? And that was just my my experience as well. Like I'm like, I want to make life about others, but then my insecurity just is it, you know, in an overdrive and insecurity does, it makes you, um, when we lead from insecurity, uh, what happens is that we need a gift from those who follow us. 
we need them to acknowledge us. We need them to admire us. We need them to applaud us. We do, it's just a lot of stuff that starts with the letter A. <laughs> like we just, we need all of that. And it, it, when we become secure, and again, like seeing grandpa, the 10,000th episode, just this, he has this huge ministry. Um, but it, it just, he didn't make it all about him. He just made it all about Jesus first and foremost, uh, which is what we're all trying to do. But he was able to do it better than I had ever been able to because he was way more secure than I was. And that, that insecurity, Craig Rochelle said it this way. He said that when we uh, lead from our insecurities, it's hard for anyone to win. And it's so true. It keeps us from winning. It keeps everybody from winning because um, that, that insecurity, it just makes like everything all about us. And we end up talking about ourselves. We end up um, having to talk about kind of our accomplishments and the things maybe that we've done and the biggest opportunities we've gotten, which you mentioned the Ireland story <laughs> of where I went into a situation where I felt like the role I was given at that camp you know, it's so sad. It's so cringeworthy to say, but it was like that maybe that was a little beneath me. And so I had this, this, because my insecurities were in the driver's seat, it made me feel like I had to tell everybody that I had done bigger and better things. And so I'm literally going around this place where I've never met anyone. And their first interaction with me is me trying to prove to them that I matter. And that's what insecurity does. And like insecurity just turns us into these, these like, seekers of self-importance like we we insecurity causes us to forget how much we already matter to god and so we keep trying to convince ourselves that we matter by convincing like everyone else that we matter and then if they feel like we have value maybe we will feel that you know ourselves a little bit more so like like we're we've all been there because we're all human so like, I, I tried to be really open about that struggle in the book, just because I felt like everybody doesn't have my story. Um, but I feel like everybody has this struggle. Um, and, you know, grandpa's not a superhero, you know, he's a remarkably normal person, you know what I mean? Like, and there's lots of other people like him um, as well that we could point to, but like, it's a journey he had to take. It's a journey I'm on. And so the book really, yeah, it's an invitation to, to kind of um, maybe admit some of the things that are in the way and, uh, and just take, you know, the opportunity to maybe do something about them. Yeah. I feel like that's probably like step one is you got to kind of admit that you're insecure, mm -hmm. right? Like you got to have, have to recognize that, um, and say, man, maybe, and what I love is you said in the book there, it said, um, I'm probably going to butcher the quote, but it's something like, uh, you in, in on that trip to Ireland, it was like, I spent so many, I missed so many opportunities to, to make other people the invite uh, MIP or the very VIP. important person. Yeah. That because I was so busy talking about me yes. and instead of focusing on I mean, championing them and making them feel great and making them speaking to their life, you kept speaking about your own and so your own achievements. And so, man, when you talked about that, I was just like, Oh man, that, uh, that just hit, hits home for me. So, right. but I see that this could work, dive into the workplace as well. And so many leaders, like you talked sure. about, lead from that position. And um, it, it can affect how we lead our teams, um, staff, volunteers, those around us. And so I think it's one of the big things in, in our culture today, as we're leading this new, you know, Gen Z's coming in, even, you know, millennials are still coming in, all that kind of stuff. But I think 
we have this mindset that people are going to work with us forever. And we kind of like act like if they ever leave us, then they they've done us wrong. Right. Um, and, and you kind of challenge that thought mm-hmm. a little bit and your grandpa challenged that thought a little bit that, Hey, I, I want you to go on to bigger things. And if that's inside our organization, great. And if it's not, that's great too. Yeah. And so can you speak into that a little bit? Cause that's, that's, that's kind of challenging to a lot of leaders. Yeah. Well, this is, I think, one of those places where um, it's really easy to do things that we never wanted to do. No leader ever plans to be the way that we're describing. Nobody ever, there's no like journal entry. You know what I mean? Where it was like, I'm going to actually just be really selfish <laughs> about my ministry and my dreams and my goals and, and the people that God brings with me. Like nobody does that. Like no one means to, to do this. It's one of those things that happens, um, you know, really like before anybody would even realize that it has. But at the end of the day, the issue is really that we kind of quit trusting God. Um, and we think like, we have to convince everybody to be a part of the dream God has given us. Like whether, you know, like for me as a church planter, you know, or whatever your ministry context is, or just, I mean, really, yeah. If, you know, if you're listening and you're a business leader or something like that, yeah. I mean, it would just be like any area of our lives and we can get again, just really, uh, you know, uh, to a place where we're, we're not trusting Jesus. So like the best way I have found to combat that, like mentality of like, I have to convince everybody to be a part of this thing. I have to make sure everybody stays a part of this thing. Yeah. And if they leave, I'm going to get really personally offended. Like the, the best way I've, I've heard to combat that um, is, is it, a, a friend of mine describes his leadership this way. He says, my job is just to point to the horizon and tell everybody where we're going. So like, if you're, you know, leading please have a clear and compelling vision of where you're going, right? Like, oh my goodness, please be really good at pointing to the horizon and telling everybody exactly where you're heading. Like, um, you know, we're not trying to build consensus. We're trying to build a kingdom. So like, this is where we're going. Like, that's really fine. But then this is what he says. He says, I don't spend any time trying to get anybody on my page. I spend all of my time trying to get them on their page. And that is where the breakdown I feel like happens. We point to the horizon too often and say, this is where we're going. And then we spend literally all of our time trying to get everybody on our page. When if we would just stop that and just dedicate ourselves to getting them on their page, Jesus, I promise Jesus will make like their page. In some cases, it'd be like their page and our page go together. So we'll make the same book. But in other cases, like, their, their page, just to stick with that, you know, metaphor doesn't fit in our book and they're not in our lives to help us accomplish the dream God has given us. What if God has us in their lives to help them accomplish the dream that God has for them? If we're leading in ministry, we have got to get to a place where we're okay with that and just accept it. And just like, we have to trust Jesus with our our dreams and our vision and with the people that God brings alongside of us. So maybe they come into our organization for a season, like, man, a season sometimes is all you get. But if you spend the the season that they have with you 
telling them where you're going, getting them you know, on the team and on mission, but then you spend your time trying to help them understand who they are and who God created them to be. And if God births a dream and then if you're their biggest fan, here's the truth, they will follow your leadership for life, even if it's from a different organization. They will never leave your leadership. And that was the thing, just to kind of bring it back around to grandpa that blew me away is these people hadn't worked for him for years. Some of them hadn't worked for him for decades, but they all followed his leadership still. They, because he wasn't selfish. He wasn't self-centered. Now, like, again, let's be honest. He was not perfect. Um, He could be really demanding at times. He could be a very hard person to work for because he was very driven. So the issue here is not demanding leadership. I think maybe that's a helpful point for people who are listening. The issue is selfish leadership. That's the issue. And one way to combat that, just again, to borrow that description of leadership, point to the horizon, tell everybody where they're, you, you, you know, where we're going, and then just spend all your time helping them to understand who they are. And if, God brings them in for a season, whether short or long. Um, That's just up to Jesus. And we have to ultimately trust that he knows how to put a team together, you know, to keep our our ministry happening. I think that's a good point, because I think when we can talk about this subject, it can almost feel like you have to be uh, pom-poms waving, cheerleader, you know, like, you know, Every every conversation is just an encouraging or just a uh, man. You're awesome, whatever. But there has to be drive, sure. right? Yeah. Yes, yeah, you can be, be driven. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, you want to speak to that, Stephen, just a little bit more. That, yep. that, that tension there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we still have to speak the truth in love, and that means there's going to be hard conversations. If our if our goal is for people to discover who God made them to be, that means they, they have to grow. And people can't grow if we don't have tough conversations. You know, if, if we can't talk about what needs to change or what needs to be fixed, like in them and in their life. Uh, but sometimes like this is, I don't know why, but it, it feels counterintuitive. People feel like, well, if I have too much positive, if I have too much encouragement, if I do cheerlead too much, then I won't be able to have those hard conversations and tell them what they did wrong. Um, and I don't know why we think that way. And I mean, me too. Like, I, like I have felt that, but it's actually not true. Like, it that's what that's what allows you that encouragement creates the loving context in which you can speak the truth about when people need to change or when they need to like, you know, dial back their own insecurities, you know, (laughs) like when they, like you can have those conversations. So yeah, the issue is I I wouldn't, I'm like, I appreciate kind of the opportunity to clarify. I wouldn't want anybody to think that we're saying, don't be driven as a leader. Don't be a dreamer. That's not the point. It's just, please dream, please be clear about what God's asking you to do and invite people to be a part of it. But then just leave it up to Jesus, whether he calls them to or not. And if, if they're in your life to help you accomplish the dream God gave you, um, awesome. But if really maybe the only reason you're in their life is to help them become who God made them to be and accomplish the dream he has for them, like we have got to get to a place where we're okay with that um, because like, Jesus has to be in charge of all of this uh, and not not us. So be driven, be a dreamer. Um, 
but there's, there's room for all of the dreams, right? Invite people into the corporate dream God has given you, but hope and pray for an invitation into the personal dream that God has for others. So good. I think that that for so many leaders, that is, is so important as we're leading staff is to know, um, leading volunteers, leading teams. I think sometimes I know for me, there's so many times when I'm talking with people and it's like, we invite them, Hey, would you, would you, uh, uh, lead this small group. And it's like this infinite, never, in, it's like, if they ever stop leading a small yeah. group, then they're like, you know, and it's like, well, maybe they were only supposed to lead that small group for two right. years, right. As they grew and then maybe they move on to something else. Right. Or, or and so that I, I think Andy Stanley talks about the fact that like, Hey, you may not work here forever, but uh, I want you to have a great experience while you're working here. Right. Right. And, uh, and, and, and how can we prepare you in this season for your next season? And yeah. looking at it through that mindset. And so the other thing too, is I think when we look at this book, sometimes, it, you know, you, you look at the cover, you look at it, it's kind of like all happy and cheer, like, oh, yeah, sure. but you do, and you talk about pain yeah, and you talk about walking through seasons of pain um, and that, that that's part of this process as well. Um, and you share some really real personal stories in there as well. And that, you, you know, you say, no one is ex exempt from difficult seasons in life, which leaves us to the question, what do we do with pain? So share some of those early days as a church planner yeah. and, and, and kind of discovering some of this in yourself. Yeah, uh, that's it, it. You know, there there is no, um, you know, leadership that doesn't experience pain. Uh, it's, it is part of it. You know, like if, if you don't, if you don't want to experience pain for crying out loud, don't lead anything. Um, cause there's always going to be, um, the opportunity for that. There will always be wounds. Um, and like, like, let's be clear. I like, there is a chapter on, on pain. Um, uh, it's called the pain scale. And, um, I certainly don't have the answer for exactly how we're all supposed to handle pain. But like you said, I, I tried to share my story. And so it's one of those moments where um, when you don't know exactly what to tell people to do, um, maybe at least you can tell them what to not do. <laughs> and that, that chapter is maybe more in that category, right? Because what I did is I experienced some pain um, early on. I was um, that when we started the church, I was the only staff member. Um, I was working by myself and for my hardwiring, that's an extremely unhealthy environment. Um, and so I was probably already unhealthy when we started the church. Right. And then I was in them even more unhealthy. Um, and we've all, you know, maybe been there as well, kind of in, in our own setting and, and experience. And you get into those, um, you know, spiral situations where it's just like things are going down and it just gets easier and easier and easier for it to, to go down. And then there was hurt as I'm trying to lead people and things. And you know how it goes. I mean, it's not even all intentional. There's just things that happen and we get offended and we get hurt and they didn't even mean it, but we assign terrible motives to their actions because we're hurting. And, you know, you get caught in those spirals and, and, what I did was I just tried to hide it. Um, I tried just, you know, probably from some dis, you know, distorted pride, you know, just this, like, I, I, I can handle this. I, you know, I'm not going to show this. I don't want anybody to see this and, 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 and hiding it. Um, I think the way that I said it in the book was something in, in the sense of it's like, it's like taking it and putting it into a pressure cooker. And it just got worse and worse and worse and worse until finally I exploded. And, 
kind of uh, in that story. So I won't spoil it for everybody, but that story is in the the book. It's it's one of those moments that um, you know you're not not proud of where where you realize the here's the risk. I'll just say it this way: here the risk with mishandling pain is that pain becomes a really unreliable co-pilot and it will take you to places you never wanted to go and not working, not um, working to resolve my pain, like led me to become the exact opposite of the leadership I'm describing in the book. I was becoming the very thing I did not want to be. And so, yeah, like our insecurities will just rob us from the ability to champion people. It is, it's so beautiful. That idea of like, Everybody is God's masterpiece. We can be a part of helping them discover their their God-given potential. But if we're insecure, we will keep making things about us. If we have unresolved pain, uh, we will it will take us to a place as a leader that is the exact opposite of where we wanted to go, and we will become someone we never intended to be. And like we kind of already talked about, this happens before you even realize it. It took me like that pressure cooker, you know, the lid popping off kind of for me to realize like, oh my gosh, like I'm so far down this road and I didn't even know I was on it. Um, and so like the, the book is, yeah, there is, there's definitely lots um, of optimism and I very intentionally wrote it that way. I wanted it to be, um, you know, uh, an upbeat and positive and optimistic thing, which is not my nature again, like that gets dealt with in the book in a chapter called choosing positivity. (laughs) But again, I'll just, I'll wrap it up just to say this again, like I seriously didn't write the book because I am the person or leader I wanted to be. I just was felt like I was getting more clarity. Um, and we write the books that we need and this was the book I needed. <laughs> I couldn't find it. So I, I just wrote it because uh, I just, uh, I needed it. And um, if, if other people need it and find it helpful, then um, I mean, that's obviously very rewarding um, as an author. So uh, it was a, a, a blast to write and it was, it was a, a very difficult endeavor, but um, it, it was, it was worth it. I, I really enjoyed it in the end. So next steps. All right. So yeah. Uh, we've kind of pointed out, you know, insecurity yeah. holds us down. Um, not dealing with pain can hold us down. Yeah. Uh, all these things you, you lay out even more in the book, but uh, mm-hmm. you know what that you end the book with yeah. the way forward. Yeah, and you give us these these three habits. Uh, could you just kind of give us some high level look at those real quick? Yep. Yeah, for sure. So. Um, yeah, the, the structure of the book is like, here's a mindset. If you adopt it, here's all the junk world that will get in your way. That's part two. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, you don't, don't wait until you have perfected all of that. That is not necessary. You just need to become aware that you're on those journeys more than anything. And then you can start operating. Yeah. the way forward, there's three habits. Um, if you're going to be somebody's biggest fan, if you're going to help them discover who God made them to be, the three habits are learn who they are love who they are and tell them who they are. Um, and what I love about it is that it's like, it's one of those things that's really simple, simple and, and, and kind of therefore deceptively powerful, like, um, but, but learning who people are is a huge deal. There's a chapter, um, that leads off the third part of the book, which is technically actually half of the book 
part three is literally half of the book. So the way forward is a, is a big part. So there's multiple chapters in each of these habits. Um, but just practically speaking, one of the things that I think we can get way better at as leaders is just asking questions. We are, we spend so much of our time making statements and like, again, this is, the book is not anti-statement, like, please make statements. Like <laughs> that's not the point, but we can get really caught up in what we have to say. And so we fail to really ask questions. And uh, I kind of won't spoil all of what the book teaches about the power of questions, but one of the best things we can do, we do this with our, um, our team here at our church. We, we train everybody to have what we call the journalist mindset. And that's what that chapter is called. Um, but we just, we try to hammer it home with people just ask, uh, or ask more questions, make fewer statements, like just ask more questions. Um, there's, there is, um, there is a lot of power in questions and then loving who people are. I mean, there's, there's a, a lot that, that we could talk about here, but um, loving, loving who people are just means like we give them opportunities. We give them chances. Um, we let them step out um, to, to take on a role that they definitely don't think they're ready for. Um, you know, that's loving who people are. It's because I can see this in you. You don't want to step out and do this because you don't believe in yourself. So I'm going to believe in you like on your behalf, right? I'm going to believe in you until you can believe in yourself. I'm going to have confidence in you until you can have confidence in yourself. But you can't do that um, in the the best way unless you give people opportunities. So in your organization, in your ministry, in your team, like how can you um, like let people step up to something that they just absolutely aren't going to feel ready for and just be there for them, whether they crush it or fall flat on their face. That's not the important part to be honest, because there's lessons to be learned either way. Um, but give people chances. And then, um, the, the last habit is just telling people who they are. Um, and, and the, the more we learn about them, the more we understand who they are, and if we combine that with understanding where they are in life, then we can tailor our words to fit people and we can speak life into them in the best possible ways because we know them at a very deep level, but we don't just know them. We actually know where they are in life and what season they're in and maybe kind of the healing messages that they need to hear um, and the encouragement or sometimes again, the correction right? And we can tailor our words to, to meet that. So there's, there's more to it, obviously, um, kind of skills and things like that, that are in the chapters that, that develop and build out those habits. But it's, if you want to be somebody's biggest fan, learn who they are, love who they are and tell them who they are. So good. Okay. So I know you've given us a bunch, but any other, like just kind of really super practical tips. I know you just give us a bunch in those and I know there's, there's a bunch in the book, but anything other just kind of super practical tips on just how to be their biggest fan? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't know. This is like really simple, but, but man, like, I think we need to, to um, work, work a little bit more on being curious again. Like that's one of those things, and this has been talked about, I'm sure like multiple people have written entire books on this, but we lose our curiosity. This goes back a little bit. I already talked about asking questions, but just not feeling like we know everything and being okay with the fact that we don't know everything. If you want to be somebody's like biggest fan, you've got to have maybe what we ought to call a holy curiosity, like about what's in people. And, um, you know, if you'll know that you're developing that 
if you start asking more questions, like those things, they kind of work in, in tandem, but, um, but living with that, that holy curiosity, letting people take steps uh, into new opportunities that they're not going to think that they're ready for um, asking lots and lots and lots of questions. Like you're my five-year-old son who asks me, you know, 5,000 questions a day. Um, get, get back to that curiosity. Um, get, 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 rooted in the belief that that every person really genuinely is a masterpiece made by God. There's a lot of stuff that that have, you know, hidden that masterpiece, uh, but we can be a part of kind of chiseling that away um, and helping to reveal who God made people to be. All right, Jason, last question here. I uh, love to ask this question to leaders. Um, mm-hmm. It's important that we recharge and get filled up as we pour out. So what is some habits, some things, something in your life that brings you renewal as a leader? Yep. That's a great question. Um, And this gets touched on a little bit um, kind of throughout the book, maybe in a couple of different places even. Um, But one of the things I've tried really hard to become more intentional with is um, spending a lot more time with the life-giving people who who are, are, you know, in in my life. Um, I don't think it's very hard to pinpoint who those people are. We know who those people are. They're the people that when you're around them, it, it's like really hard to be in a bad mood because they, they make you happy. They make you, um, you know, laugh. Like they, they just are, are enjoyable and fun and life-giving to be around. I, um, had to develop an intentionality, with getting myself around the right people. That doesn't mean we get rid of other people, right? That doesn't mean we just don't have a relationship with other people who maybe aren't like that in our lives, but get really intentional about spending time with them. Call them, um, FaceTime with them, uh, drive to see them if you have to. You know, if they don't live in town, I've done that. I've got a friend who lives about three hours away. I, and I, there was a time I drove up probably once a month or every other month just to spend time with my friend because it was so life-giving. Like I said, he was somebody who believed in me in a season where I couldn't believe in myself. And I've, I mean, I took, I've taken it a step up from there. Um, I've flown to be <laughs> literally to be with people. It's even like overnight, like trip, like I'll fly out one day, stay one night, come home the next day. Just like, I realized that's a little bit crazy. And, you know, people are like, I can't do that. That's fine. If you can't, you know, then just FaceTime them and, you know, thank God for iPhones, but, um, you know, spend time with those people and just get around them and, and let them infuse you with that life and that love and that joy, um, that they have, um, maybe in the seasons, especially where, where you, you lack <laughs> some of those things. So I, I think that's probably the the best discipline I've developed that brings me renewal. So good. So good guys. The book is from your biggest fan by Jason Patterson. I want to encourage you leaders, parents, business owners, pastors, friends, whoever, just get this book. It's going to encourage you. It's going to challenge you. Uh, It's going to be a great resource for you. So Jason, thanks for being with us and uh, look forward to you guys being with us again on another episode. Absolutely. Thanks, my friend.